This week on the Pet Buzz, we're speaking about police comfort dogs. Learn more about how training influences the bond between a veteran suffering from PTSD and a service dog. March is Poison Awareness Month. Learn more about the top 10 poisons for dogs and cats. Cat lovers, this one's for you. We are finding out about the most popular cat breeds. Good morning. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio where we want to help you take better care of your pets. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. So before we start the show, I want to know what's up with both of you, Charlotte? Well, New Orleans was great. I went to the crew of Barkus and I got to spend some time in the French Quarter and uh, I walked around with Ty. We took some great pictures and Dr. Fleck, we bought you back some business. Which were very good. Thank you. Thank you. Nate, did you go to Mardi Gras too? I did not, unfortunately. (laughs) Haven't gotten the chance to get out there. But how's the dog? Oh, Luke is fine. Luke. That's right. Luke. Luke. Cool hand, Luke. Yeah, cool Paul Luke. There it is. He's thinking of him. (laughs) What's up? How's that uh, discount clinic going? It's busy. Uh huh. And people are taking advantage of the wonderful opportunities we're giving them there. So important, I think, that discount clinic in the community because I think veterinary care is so expensive. It It is expensive, and this gives an opportunity, per, particularly for preventative medicine and urgent care, to have it done at a reasonable price. That's great. So now let's kick off the show with what? Celebrity, Celebrity pet, pet News. Pet news. news. Well, last week, Karl Lagerfeld, the creative director of Chanel and Fendi, died of cancer on February 9th at the age of 85. So a lot of you who see me on TV know that I primarily wear Karl Lagerfeld Paris clothing. Well, along with being remembered as a fashion icon and creative director of Chanel and Fendi, Lagerfeld was also known to many as a cat-loving daddy to a beloved rag doll named Choupette. Now, how Choupette came to live with him was very much like your situation, Nate. A friend of Lagerfeld's asked him to care for her cat when she went to travel. And after two weeks when she came back, Lagerfeld said, "Mm, she's going to be staying with me. In your case, (laughs) you know, same kind of the same thing because your friend couldn't really take care of her. Well, people know who follow, you know, and uh, this is the other thing I always loved because Carl was not the most easiest person to deal with. He said, Lagerfeld credited Chopet as making him a better person. I think pets do that. I think you always say that, Dr. Fleck. Mm -hmm. So he is known for really turning Choupette into a star. And he lavished her with shrimp cakes for her birthday. Supposedly, she had two maids and and more. He even signed a social media team to her. So Choupette served as a muse for him and has appeared on clothing and handbags, T-shirts, jewelry, and other accessories. And many of her adoring fans want to know how she's coping. I even thought of her the morning that he died and wrote her on Twitter. And we've corresponded via social media over the years now and then. So it's my understanding that the cat is coping with the loss as best she can. She was quoted in People as Pets as putting her best paw forward and (laughs) hopes her fans will continue continue to send her their outpouring of love to really ease her pain at this difficult time. She was also quoted in People for Pets saying, I'm eternally grateful for the life and love he gave me through adoption. I will never forget the moments we shared together, traveling, exploring, and creating. 
Well, at this time, we don't know who's going to take custody of Chupet, and there's already speculation about Chupet's inheritance. Yes. Oh, wow. And that has a lot to do with the fact that Carl always said that if Chupet passed before him, he wanted their ashes to be mingled together. Which is possible these yeah. days. So she could be a very mm-hmm. rich little kitty. <laughs> okay, well, let's move forward with our global news block. And now, Pet Buzz News from around the globe. Well, from what I understand, something in Texas really stinks, and it is pepper spray. So that means it burns too. The U.S. Postal Service, as well as local law enforcement and animal care services in both San Antonio and Houston are both investigating mailmen who get down, listen to this, who are allegedly caught on video pepper spraying contain dogs on their route. So so check this out. So after delivering the mail, both postal workers were seen going over to the gates and spraying the dogs. Now, these dogs are behind fences of the homeowner's property. In both scenarios, dogs were behind barrier fences and really posed no danger to the postal worker. Well, according to USPS, dog repellent, now I looked this up, is only to be used on any dog that attacks, but it does not replace the policy of non-delivery of mail where there is a dog menace. So repellent is used only when a dog attacks, okay? These dogs were behind the barriers. Mm -hmm. The repellent is not to be used indiscriminately like these guys did or maliciously, especially when there is danger of spraying children or adults. Indiscriminate use of the repellent will not be tolerated by the Postal Service and could result in corrective action up to and including removal. So I'm going to put these videos up so you can see for yourself if you have dogs that spend any time outside and they can be observed from the front of your house via a gate, I would suggest you put up a surveillance counter. And I suggest that you put up a surveillance camera to monitor bystander activity, which can include mailmen, passerbyers, thieves, and mischievous neighbors. It's really a good idea. It it really is. I mean, we're lucky because with our house, we do have a gate on the side of the building, but you can't see what's behind the gate. Right. Right. But I think it's a good idea. Well... I got a postal worker story, too, but it's a bit different than yours. Now I'm curious. Okay. In this story, the mail carrier suffered a vicious dog attack. Wow. Which is not good. Yeah. The dog attack happened last Friday on the west side of Detroit, Michigan, my home state. Mm-hmm. It seems that a dog named Boss Hog. Boss Hog. Boss Hog. Slipped out as the homeowner's son was leaving for work. Okay. The dog belonged to her. Her boyfriend. I guess they were living together. I think so. To stop the attack, the postal worker needed the help of neighborhood residents. The video, a video of the incident, which we posted on social media channels, shows several witnesses trying to get the dog off the man using a pipe, a steering wheel lock, a broom, and a garbage can. Crazy. It's a crazy, crazy video. It's a tough dog, too. Mm -hmm. A Detroit Fire Department spokesperson said the mailman has injuries to his hand, knee, and foot since the dog bit through his boot. Yeah, bit through his boot. Can you believe that? Tough dog. But that the extent of his injuries are really not known yet. Additionally, the mailman was listed in stable condition. At the local hospital. At the Mm -hmm. hospital. The dog eventually released the postal worker, but uh, charged at one of the neighbors who was forced to run back indoors. Scary, scary Mm -hmm. situation. 
Animal control officers captured the dog and ticketed its owners. According to the USPS, they are deeply grateful for the concerned citizens who came to the aid of the letter carrier, but they noted their attacks such as this provide the Postal Service an opportunity to remind dog owners that it is their responsibility to restrain their pets in order to avoid attacks against our employees, the USPS says, while they are in the performance of their duties. Our suggestion is to restrain your, restrain your dog and get dog bite insurance a must for any dog owner. Absolutely. Dog bite insurance is key. You should definitely call your insurance agent and add that to your homeowner's policy. Yeah, I think we both see a lawsuit mm-hmm. coming here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I've got my last story for you guys. You're going to find this really interesting. Well, a drone that was being used to search for a missing dog was shot down in Long Island. The police say that Jared Chastine, he's 26, living on Long Island, fired three shots from his yard to bring down this device that was flying over his house. Missing Angels, Long Island of New York, had been using this drone to look for a dog that had jumped over a fence when it moved into a new home after it was being adopted. So members of the group tracked it down after it stopped working. It seems the shooter, that's what this, you know, chased Dean, he was arrested and charged with third degree criminal mischief and prohibited from using a weapon according to the local NYC NBC station. Well, as for the pup, she was found. Missing Angel says that Chastine, he did apologize, and he didn't realize that the drone was looking for a dog. Hopefully, I think he should buy them a new drone, but I can understand why he was probably upset. I kind of feel like it's an invasion of privacy. Maybe somebody's spying on me. You know, I go outside naked sometimes on the back porch. So, you know, I would feel uncomfortable like if a drone was flying over my house. God, that sounds like an invitation for a lot of drones over my house, I guess. Right, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we should point out that he wasn't he wasn't arrested or charged with shooting a drone. He was charged with shooting a rifle. So what is the rules for drones? We don't know. It's a new developing technology. Right. New developing life structure. And there have to be some rules. But I mean, randomly shooting in the air, what if he hit a neighbor? What if he hit a neighbor's kid in the next yard? I think you got to know all the facts about things. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to take a commercial break and be back with our first guest, Concord Police Chief Bradley Osgood, talking about police comfort dogs, a new trend. listening to the pet buzz with pet trendologist charlotte reed and veterinarian dr michael fleck we love to communicate with you via social media use the pet buzz social media channels on twitter and facebook to make a comment or ask a question post a picture of your pet on instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality you can also write to us at team at the for more information about our show our guests and our buzzworthy freebies visit us at the There are thousands of dogs and cats housed in shelters that need your help. Local shelter professionals and volunteers give their heart and soul to help unwanted animals and deserve your support. Americans give millions every year to national animal organizations. But unless you give to your local shelter, you can't be sure that money will make it to the pets that need it most. Adopt, volunteer, and give to your local animal shelter. To find your local shelter, go to humaneforpets.org. Why don't you just meet me in the middle? 
Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. This show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We enjoy being with you each week talking pets. Now, for years, comfort dogs have been working their calming magic on grief-stricken communities after tragedies like the mass shooting of Sandy Hook school children, the Boston Marathon bombing, the Orlando nightclub shooting, and most recently, the mass shooting in Las Vegas. In a relatively new trend, police departments around the country are beginning to employ comfort dogs. Among these pioneering dogs is Liberty, a yellow Labrador retriever at the Concord, New Hampshire Police Force. Joining us today to discuss the trend of comfort dogs is Bradley Osgood, Chief of Police of Concord, New Hampshire. Chief Osgood, we are pleased to welcome you to the Pet Buzz this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So okay. let's talk about what a comfort dog is. Unlike typical police canines used in locating drugs or tracking suspects, how is Liberty assisting your force? Well, um, just like you said with the, in your initial uh, opening, uh, comfort dogs are used with people that have experienced some sort of trauma in their life or some sort of a, um, a critical incident or a crisis, as you mentioned, uh, at least close to home here in New Hampshire, we had the Boston Marathon bombing. So typically that's how they're used. Um, and you're right, they're not typical canine patrol dogs. Um, we, we typically think of a police canine as, you know, a, a German shepherd that's loud and barks and chases people. But this is, uh, Liberty is really a comfort dog, and she's really a community policing tool. Um, she's a type of a dog that, you know, people can approach and touch her and pat her and interact with the police officers. So just out of curiosity, is she considered an officer in the Concord Police? Um, we, we plan on having a little swearing-in ceremony for her as a, a little public uh, uh, thing. And she, she, she will be given a badge number. She'll have her own badge. Uh, she'll be included in the roster. So, yes, we will consider her uh, as part of our family. Awesome. That's great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let us know when that is and send us some pictures. We'll yeah, post them on our do. social media channels. Well, in addition to easing trauma for civilians and officers, what kind of community affairs work does Liberty facilitate? When we first got her, we actually don't have her physically right now. She's still with her uh, a trainer, but we do have access to her a couple of times a week. Um, and she'll come to us full time probably in um, April or May. But one of the greatest examples that I can point to is um, here in Concord, New Hampshire, we, we shut down Main Street uh, during Halloween, and it's a, you know, six blocks is shut down, and, and all the kids come down to Main Street and visit the local businesses and, and do trick-or-treating. And we had her down there, and she was the main attraction. And, you know, there's a, a thousand or more people that would come up to her, and they wanted their picture taken with her. They were interacting with the police officers. Um, so it was really a good, um, she became a local celebrity that night. And so the community really is looking forward to having her visit all sorts of different, um, anywhere, any, anywhere where people b- gather publicly, you know, that's where we intend to bring her. And also schools and hospitals. Will she go there? She's gone to schools and, um, she has not gone to the hospitals yet, but we'll, we'll, going to research that as soon as we get uh, going with her. But she's gone and visited third grade classrooms where, you know, officers had gone in to read stories to the kids. Um, she's, you know, walked the halls and greeted people. She'll probably be at school bus stops or at, at schools in the morning come September. 
Well, what about the training? You haven't had her yet, but it seems like the training is very extensive for Liberty before she comes full time on. Yeah, so she actually lives with the trainer um, mm-hmm. full time, and it, it takes uh, you know upwards to a year. I mean, certainly her training doesn't begin at eight weeks. It it really begins at sixteen to twenty weeks. And she's going to be um, taking some exams, and they usually try to get those exams uh, taken as as she approaches one years old, and she's only nine months old right now. So if you've just joined us, we're talking with Chief Bradley Osgood about the role of police comfort dogs. What prompted the Concord Police Force to get a comfort dog? Uh, actually, I, we've been re- researching this for about four and a half years and it started when I was actually giving a speech to a community group when I was asked a question by one of the participants in the audience whether or not we had canines. And I, I was talking about the, the typical patrol canine, and she corrected me, and she said, you know, I think that police department should have a kinder and friendlier dog so that, it, you know, interact with, you know, and use this dog as a, as a bridge, as you say. And I got to thinking about it, and um, I went home that night and I researched it, and I found a place, uh, a police department in Hawthorne, California, that actually employed a dog called Scotty. And that's where I um, got the idea. And it's taken me four and a half years to finally find Liberty and a, um, a nonprofit, Hero Pups, in Exeter, New Hampshire, to really uh, get this started. We think that's just go so great. I mean, you know, to see the benefit. I mean, you can see when you're having questioning or even for the officers who might have suffered a trauma and their families. I mean, I think I think it's a great a great idea. Oh, absolutely. We, absolutely. we I actually I'm going to send this interview over to our local police departments here in two counties and see if they'd be interested. Well, we're just curious, like once Liberty comes to, you know, work with you guys full time, how will she be maintained? Will one of the police office be assigned to her and then she'll yes. go live with him? Yes, so um, she'll have a primary handler who is a, actually a community service aide. Uh, he's, he's not a police officer. He's, he's a retired um, correctional officer, but he'll actually be her primary handler, and we'll also have uh, two or three other police officers uh, that are actually secondary handlers um, that can handle her. But she will live at his house, um, and if he has a day off and we wanted uh, Liberty to be at the police station, um, then he'd just would go pick her up or he'd drop her off and she'd just hang out here all day with us. So we know that this is kind of a new trend, an important trend, but if other police departments are interested in obtaining a comfort dog, how much was it going to cost them to obtain, train, and maybe maintain a comfort dog? That's a very good question. I think that if you're looking at, like, for instance, Liberty is a purebred yellow Labrador. If you were to look on the market just just as a, uh, a homeowner and you want to get a pet, I, mean, I think you're talking about $2,000 for just, just to acquire the dog. And then when you add in all the veterinary expenses, food, um, spaying, neutering, um, I mean, you're, you're talking upwards to $5,000. And that includes also if you're going to have the dog fully trained by a professional trainer. So it's quite a, um, an expensive uh, upstart. Uh, we were able to get a nonprofit organization to, to donate the money. We were able to get a veterinarian to actually provide all the services. 
we've got a grooming studio that's going to take care of all the uh, dog washing and the nails. Uh, all of that is being donated, and I think that communities, if they really look at their community, a lot of this stuff can be um, generated with community support. I think that's great. I mean, what a great idea. So it's great for the community. People of business, small business owners have gotten involved, and it's not a burden on the taxpayers, which I think is great. Right. Well, right. It's not a burden on the taxpayers, and I'm not even going to include a line item in my budget for, for her at all. Wow. Wow. That is great. Yeah. But you it's, know what? Pe- great... People just don't really object when, when pets are involved or animals are involved in trying to help the rest of humanity. Absolutely. I mean, what a great, I mean, what a good thing in the community. One identifying factor in the community that really almost, I'm going to say 99%, because there are always a few people who are not a big dog lovers, but I think it's great. She just brings a community together. So have you had a lot of inquiries from other uh, police departments? Yeah, when we first um, advertised that we were getting her, there was uh, quite a bit of um, media publicity on her, and we probably got, within the first couple of weeks, a couple dozen phone calls from police departments throughout the country. There's been more and more of these dogs starting to, uh, to pop up. Uh, that we're seeing in uh, the media. Well, I heard you inspired Franklin to get a dog. <laughs> yep, Franklin, New Hampshire, the city of Franklin, New Hampshire, which is about 30, uh, 30 minutes uh, north of Concord. Uh, Liberty actually went to the city council meeting, and the city councilors got to, to meet her and uh, interview her, so to speak, and um, they unanimously agreed to, uh, to, to acquire a dog. And also in the the city of Franklin, Massachusetts, which is outside of Boston, um, they just announced that they had uh, have acquired a um, a comfort dog as well. I think it's great. Inspiring Not the dog and pony people. show, just the dog show. Inquiring. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. Well, everybody, thank you so much, Chief, for being here. Where can we learn more about Liberty? Can you give us a website we can learn more about the Concord Police as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that uh, her Facebook page, she's got her own Facebook page. It's Liberty Concord, New Hampshire, or Concord NHPD Comfort Dog. You can follow her um, on Facebook. And our website is uh, ConcordNH.gov. And we don't actually have a uh, section for her yet, but as soon as the summer rolls around and we have her full-time, she's going to have her own page on our website. Well, thank you. Thank you. That was Chief Bradley Osgood of Concord, New Hampshire, discussing how police comfort dogs benefit the community. Up next, we're talking about military veterans seeking out complimentary therapies such as psychiatric service dogs. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. 
Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know, military veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, are increasingly seeking out complementary therapies such as psychiatric service dogs. Today, we're going to learn more about how training methods affect these veterans, their service dogs, and their animal-human bond. And joining us today is researcher Megan LaFollette, PhD candidate in Animal Science Centers for Animal Welfare Science and the Human-Animal Bond at Purdue University. Megan, thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. Thank you for having me. So why are post-9-11 veterans who suffer from PTSD searching out alternative treatments like the service dogs? Well, certainly there are a lot of evidence-based treatments for PTSD that work, but unfortunately, a lot of these treatments have pretty high levels of dropout rates or non-response rates, so they're just not working for a lot of individuals. And even with treatment, PTSD is a chronic disorder that may persist for many years. So these veterans are seeking out complementary treatments like service dogs, not necessarily to replace these treatments, but in addition to them. And we think that having a service dog can help veterans stick with these treatments while also helping them with their everyday lives. I think that's a great point, helping them with their every single day lives. Yes. Yeah. So Megan, you just did a study regarding military veterans suffering from PTSD and their service dogs. Tell us a little bit about that. What was the purpose? So the purpose of this study was really to explore how um, veterans at home training methods and their PTSD severity um, could be associated with dog behavior um, and the veteran dog bond. Interesting. So who did participate in that study? Well, we were really fortunate to have 111 veterans um, who had received service dogs from um, Canines for Warriors. Canines for Warriors is an accredited nonprofit organization that we work with, and we're really thankful for them. They provide service dogs for these military veterans, and so it was 111 veterans with their service dogs. You know, it's interesting because so many times when we think of military veterans and their service dogs, we only think of men. But your study also included female veterans, correct? Yes, it did. It wasn't a huge number. About 80% of our study population was male and about 20% is female because certainly we do have female veterans. Um, And they're also subject to um, getting PTSD from their service as well. And tell us a little bit about the dogs who participated. Were they specific breeds? Um, No, they were all sorts of breeds. Canine for Warriors actually primarily uses shelter and rescue dogs. So we had Labrador mixes, we had German Shepherd mixes, um, lots of different age, lots of different varieties, but all trained by Canines for Warriors, all trained with the veterans um, to provide the psychiatric service um, to their handlers. You know, Dr. Fleck, that's really interesting that they use um, shelter dogs because that gives shelter, shelter dogs a second chance at life. It, it really is. Um, I just am fortunate to have a couple of, of uh, 
veterans uh, with service dogs in, in my practice. And what a rewarding experience, too. So, Megan, can you tell us a little bit about the results of the study? I mean, discuss maybe how training impacts the relationships between these veterans and their dogs. Of course. Um, so the results were pretty exciting. And first, I'm going to talk a little bit about an aside that was that we didn't find that PTSD severity was significantly associated with any of our study outcomes, including the bond or dog behavior. And this is pretty um, significant because it means that those veterans who may have pretty severe PTSD still seem to be able to bond with their dog and not have any negative effects on the dog. Um, but as far as training methods go, which is really the main purpose of the study, we found that more frequent use of correction-based training was associated with more negative outcomes, such as a less close bond, more fear, less eye contact, less trainability, while more frequent use of reward or bond-based training was associated with more positive outcomes, such as a more close bond, more attachment behaviors, and more playfulness, which are all positive things. Hey, just out of curiosity, do you have a, a percentage or a number difference on gender for veterans that have a need for the service dog? What percentage? Um, I don't have a particular percentage. Um, I think it's mostly related to diagnoses, and certainly the military population is more skewed male. Um, and I think it would just depend on what sort of experiences the veterans have um, while completing their service. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Megan LaFollette about how training impacts the relationship of PTSD veterans and their service dogs. So additionally, Megan, what did you determine about the bond between the veterans and their dogs? And were there differences between the male and female veterans? So as part of the study, we asked veterans um, to report how close they felt to their service dogs. We gave them a set of pictures, one circle representing the veterans and one representing the dogs. And then these circles became more and more overlapping um, from one to seven. And the majority and average um, score that the veterans chose was a six out of seven, which is quite high, quite a bit higher than what um, pet dogs have reported um, with their pets. Um, and also in the study, we did find that um, male veterans reported a stronger bond than females, but I will say that our sample size was pretty imbalanced. We only had 20% females, so I am a little bit hesitant to draw conclusions about that, but it is potentially interesting. Great. Very, very mm -hmm. interesting mm -hmm. information. So Megan, can you tell us what you learned about the dogs in the study? Of course. So the dogs were really great in the study. Um, we found that veterans were reporting really positive behaviors. So um, their service dogs were showing behaviors that um, we typically interpret as them being very highly attached to their veterans and highly train trainable. Um, and very rarely did the veterans report their dogs exhibiting negative behaviors, such as those that may show aggression or fear. Um, but I will say one potentially um, finding of note is that veterans reported that about 45% of their service dogs were at least sometimes anxious or obsessed when left alone. I thought that this was is, really um, interesting because obviously the dogs and the humans spend so much time together, you know, it's like that interconnected relationship on a 24-7 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's definitely, we think it could be related that um, service dogs have special consideration under the American Disabilities Act and can go in public with their veteran. And we think that this result, if anything, really speaks to that intensely close bond that service dogs have with their handlers. Well, Megan, lastly, in this last 30 seconds, how can this information be helpful to veterans and service dog organizations? So overall, we think that this this study can really highlight the intense bond that veterans can have with their service dogs. And it also highlights how their at-home training methods does have the potential to impact their dog's behavior and the bond, which could be beneficial to know for the efficacy of service dogs as a therapy and even the service dog's welfare. Well, Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. Could you please give us your website so we can learn more about your organization? As well as your study. Yes. Of course. So you can learn more about this study and other great research that we do at the O'Hare Lab at Purdue University by going to humananimalinteractions.com. Great. Well, that was Megan LaFollette discussing how service dog training affects the bond between veterans suffering from PTSD and their service dogs. We're going to take a commercial break and come back discussing the top 10 poisons for dogs and cats. March is Poison Awareness Month, so stay tuned. This is a segment not to be missed. Tell me how you feel sitting up there, feeling so high, but too far away to hold me. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We say it every week, but we're urban, suburban, and and country. country. You know, March is designated as Pet Poison Prevention Awareness Month. Understanding what potential harmful poisons exist in your home and yard is the first step to keeping your pet safe. Some of them are very obvious and others might be new to you. Here's the top 10 pet poisons list for dogs and cats from the Pet Poison Helpline. These are the top 10 most common toxins that Pet Poison Helpline gets called about every day. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind that some of these listed are very toxic, while some are minimally toxic. Okay, so what do we got for dogs, Dr. Fleck? Chocolate. Chocolate, that's a common one. Okay, what else? Mouse and rat poisons. That's number two. Vitamins and minerals. Okay, specific vitamins? 
vitamin D3, iron. Okay. Those two are at the top. Okay. NSAIDs, non-steroidals, anti-inflammatory drugs. Good. I'm glad you said what that was. Like ibuprofen, cardiac medications, the especially the calcium channel blockers, the beta blockers. Now, what do you take? Do you take beta blockers? Uh, yeah, we. That's for your cholesterol. Oh, okay. So a lot of people take that. But you take other. You take other medication, and sometimes when you're cutting it up. You've not, you, we've had to stop and like find a pill if it fell off the counter, right? Which is sometimes very difficult. Exactly. Very but difficult. find it. Okay. Now, what about people who take cold and allergy medication? That's number six. Okay. Uh, like pseudoephedrine, uh, phenylephedrine. Uh, these are crazy drugs, uh, but they make people feel better, but don't drop them on the floor. Yeah. Antidepressants is okay. seven. Xylitol, number eight. I would have put that up at number one. Okay. That's artificial sugar in a, a lot of artificial sugar um, products. And you know what's really interesting about that? It's found in toothpaste that a lot of times, uh, because Nate, you know, toothpaste has that texture. So if it falls on the floor, the dogs like to chew it because yeah. it seems like really kind of chewy. One of the reasons why you don't use people toothpaste when you're brushing your dog's teeth. Absolutely. Oh. Okay. okay. Yeah. What else do we got? Number nine? Acetafenamin, which is Tylenol. Okay. Very common. I take Tylenol. And caffeine pills. Oh, that's for all those students with dogs who want to stay up. Oh, yeah. Well, right. if you've just joined us, Dr. Fleck and I are talking about the top 10 poisons for dogs and cats. Now, Nate, you have a dog and I have a cat. Yeah. And uh, so one of the things that's really interesting, number one is topical spot on insecticides. Mm -hmm. Got to be really careful with that, mm -hmm. especially if you have both dogs and cats. Household cleaners are another thing. And, yeah, you but know, we want to point out, though, those topical applications. Mm -hmm. Don't forget that, that many of them are made for cats. So those right. that are used for cats, the FDA is approved for them to use. So, it's where you use off-label where you get most of your problem. Right. And the other thing is I find when a lot of people see that their cat is having a reaction, you really need to go to the vet or you now. need... Exactly. Or you need to call the poison control line. Okay. Household cleaners. And one of the things I find interesting about that is that's the the way we store household cleaners. I don't... Do you store them under the sink at your house? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times if I open the cabinet under the sink, there I always, they go. there's that cat trying to, there's Hayden trying to get under there, see what's under there. Well, antidepressants, we talked about that early. Now, lilies are really dangerous for pets, even if they sniff the pollen. Uh, and also a lot of the bulb plants are too. Easter's coming. Easter's coming. And then I have a problem with saying this and you could probably help me out. Well, this is insoluble oxalate plants, and that is Diffenbachia mm -hmm. and Philodendron. And those are the big ones you yeah. see outside. And yeah. then, of course, you mentioned it before, human and veterinary NSAIDs, right? Is that Not how you say steroidal anti-inflammatory okay. drugs. Once again, cold and flu medication, example, Tylenol. Um, and then here's one that we see a lot because <laughs> people like to see these. And I saw these because I just came back from New Orleans. Glow sticks. Mm -hmm. You know, the pets are, especially the cats, they like anything that flickers. So that liquid in there, that whatever that stuff is in there, they're attracted to that. And then no ADD, ADHD medication and amphetamines, another one. And then once again, mouse and rat poison. That's number 10 on the cat list. So if you suspect your pet has ingested any of these items or any other questionable substances, call the Pet Poison Helpline or your veterinarian for assistance immediately. 
accurate and timely identification of the suspected substance is really very important. Having the container package or label at hand will save valuable time and may save the life of your pet. Yeah, and I think it's great that we mentioned that. So read that sentence one more time because that's when people panic. They put it down. They don't know where they put it. I mean, I'm famous for losing everything. I put something down. But if you you all think about what you have to do when you tackle these emergencies, you'll be better prepared. So read that, read that, that line. Rat, pick up that rat uh, poison container. Mm-hmm. Having the container, package, or label in hand will save valuable time and may save the life of your pet. For more information, you can check out the ASPCA's Animal Poison Control Center at ASPCA.org for even more helpful tips keep your pet safe. What a great segment. We're going to take a commercial break and be back with more pet buzz. Remember, March is Poison Awareness Month. And now we're going to talk about for cat owners. If you're thinking about getting a cat. Oh, yeah. Next up, we're going to talk about popular cat breeds. Yeah, it sounds like fun. For once in my life, I have someone who needs me. Someone I needed so long. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, and, of course, companionship. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive, and now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance will come in with this group. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Art Council. Pussycat, pussycat, you're so thrilling, and I'm so willing to care for you. So go and make the Dynamic Pet Duo is back at you. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We're going to give you some pet buzz to get you and your pets through the week. You know, the Cat Fanciers Association, that's CFA, the world's largest registry of pedigreed cats, has recently announced their most popular cat breeds for 2018, according to the number of cats that were registered throughout the year. And joining us today to talk about... The top 10 list of cat breeds is Aileen Tartaglia, Executive Director of Cat Fanciers Association, the CFA. Aileen, good morning and welcome to the Pet Buzz. Good morning. So let's do the countdown, starting from the number 10 slot on your list, the Abyssinian. Why don't you tell us about the particular breed and why you think it's still very popular? All right. The Abyssinian is a timeless breed. It's been around for a long time. It's beautiful. It's athletic, active. Uh, They're very interactive with their owners. They just want to know everything that everybody's doing. Um, And they're, as I said, they're they're very strong. They're almost like the bodybuilders of the cat fancy. Um, So they've, they've remained at the top for many, many years. 
because of those features. So let's talk about number nine on your list, which is the Scottish Fold. Taylor Swift has two, Olivia Benson and Meredith Grey. Now, with their folded over ears, do they need some extra ear cleaning or ear care? Surprisingly, they really don't. I mean, you need to kind of peek under there to make sure that there's not anything going on as far as a little bit of extra oil that might need to be cleaned out, but they're really no different from most other breeds of cats. Um, They just need a little bit of extra attention, but no more work, really. So number eight is the Sphinx, the hairless cat. So Mm -hmm. I've been told that Dwayne Molak, whose celebrity name is Mosho, okay. Oh, yeah. I know all about the rapper, see. He's supposed to be a Portland-based rapper. He's got four Sphinxes. So in one of his videos, he's in the bathtub himself, bathing his cat and singing. Is that a prerequisite for caring for this breed of cat? (laughs) Well, they do need a little more care, and and we're familiar with Mosho. He was at our uh, international cat show last year, so he's a great guy. Um, He's a huge cat lover. And sphinx do need to be bathed uh, much more often than uh, cats with fur, uh, mostly because their skin tends to get oily. They're just like people. You know, we need to get our shower every day. So do these cats. Mm. Just once a week is good enough. But they don't exude any more oil than other breeds. But other breeds, they have fur. And the sphinx doesn't have the fur. So they just need to either be wiped down or bathed. Um, and that and paying special attention to in between their, on their paws, in between their toes. Because uh, that'll collect a little more breed, or a little try, more oil. Probably try to keep them inside as much as you can out of the sun, too, right? Absolutely. And we recommend that all cats stay indoors. It's much safer for them. Um, it's just better for everybody. They don't get dirty. They stay much cleaner. But definitely for a breed like the Sphinx, it's really important they stay indoors. I'm curious now, what cat falls in the number spot? And I'm curious, what cat falls in the number one spot and why? The ragdoll is our number one uh, breed this year as far as registrations. And, you know, they require a little more maintenance than uh, a sphinx because they do have a a nice silky longer coat, not like a Persian, not all that fluff, but they do require um, normal or normal maintenance, daily grooming. But they're they're moderate in size. Their features are moderate. They have beautiful blue eyes, um, and they just have a very sweet uh, expression, and they're very sweet personalities, laid back. Um, so they're not too active, not too laid back. They're just uh, kind of the perfect breed for many homes. So I think that's why they're, they are number one this year, because people are becoming more and more aware of all of those personality traits. Well, this question all cat owners should know about um, if they want to purchase a cat. Why is it important to buy a cat from a breeder? I'm glad you asked that. It, 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 buying from a breeder really provides a, a lot of positive um, interaction. Um, breeders are very concerned about a temperament of a cat, and they breed for temperament. Um, plus, they um, cats that are bred by breeders, they're socialized on a regular basis from the time that they're young. Um, with the different breeds of cats, you get a predictable personality, predictable temperament, the size, the appearance. Um, you'll know 
uh, well in advance how active the cat will be. For instance, I have Cornish Rex myself, and they're a very active breed, and they just, you know, they just want to be involved in everything. That's not for everybody. Um, some people want more laid back, like the ragdoll. So when you buy from a breeder, you're getting all of those things. Plus, they work with you on any questions you might have, the care of the cat, um, trimming nails, giving a bath, you know, all of the all of those things that people sometimes they just don't know anything about. They're not sure how to how to deal with those things. And so a breeder a, will. And it's a great um, way to have a relationship for a long period of time. I mean, I you know my cat breeder. She's passed on Diane Bocher, who was just a lovely person. I've got to know yeah. her family, um, but I still have very strong relationships. Uh, for example, with my dog breeder, I actually have flown to visit her in Pittsburgh and spent the day with her, and I've cleaned kennels and everything else. But um, I I've used those relationships um, not only as to benefit the health and the welfare of my cat, uh, all while end up having a great friend. So I think a great breeder is a good sounding board. And I think it's important um, to go with your gut, you know, go and fly or go drive or take a train and meet the breeder. Don't just buy a cat and have it or or any pet and have it shipped to you. Uh, because that way you have to see where the cat is kept and the conditions, and you get to see how somebody takes care of their cats. Absolutely. And um, cat shows are a great opportunity as well to meet breeders. You can get an idea of the person, what they're like, what their cats look like. Uh, it's just a, a great way to meet breeders. And you're absolutely right about you develop a relationship. I mean, there you have, a, you have something in uh, common, the love of cats. And their breeders, it's like their kids. You know, they want to find a good home. It's like adopting out a child to a breeder. So they're, they'll ask a lot of questions. And, in fact, the more questions a breeder asks about the home that a kitten may be going to, the better I think the breeder is because it shows that they're really concerned about the home where their um, kitten is going to. You know, that's that's really relevant. As a, as a practitioner, when I talk to my, uh, my clients said that have their, their pets with the canine, they seem to know everything. You know, they talk to other people and other people are always willing to share their information about the behavior, uh, health, etc. But when I talk to my cat clients, they mostly are learning it on their own. So the breeder would be that, that really important source of having information. I would say they really are. And um, our breeders, they promote neuter and spay. Um, if somebody wants to uh, get into a breeding program and purchase a cat for breeding, our breeders, they take it that very seriously and they question them and be sure that they can take on the responsibility and the commitment that that takes. So it's, it's not something that breeders will take lightly. Um, they'll really then mentor and, and coach the person if, if they want to get, get into that. But otherwise, it's pretty much they're sold as um, pets, not for breeding. Uh, we really encourage you to spay, keep cat indoors, um, you know, don't declaw. So, it, you know, it, it's all the good things that people may not be educated about that our breeders try and um, take care of that. Well, Aileen, just great advice and thanks for joining us today. Can you please give us the CFA's website? Yes, it's real simple, just cfa.org. 
great. Everyone, that was Aileen Tartaglia from CFA, the executive director from CFA, discussing the most popular cat breeds of 2018 and why you should always buy a cat, a specific cat breed from a breeder. Stay tuned. We'll be right back and give you the details of next week's show. Before he was a major league pitcher, threw a no-hitter, and then a perfect game. Before he made history, Mark Burley was just a kid, cut from his high school team twice. Before Bear taught himself to predict seizures and inspired thousands by saving his owner's life. Before he became a hero, he was just another dog in a Texas animal shelter. There's hidden potential in all of us. We just need someone to see it. Find it at adoptapet.com. We're back and you're listening to the Pet Buzz with petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Next week on the Pet Buzz, we're going to talk about lost pets, what to do if your pet gets lost, postal incidents with dogs, and raising dogs in prison. What's that sound? So early. I know. That's the bell to signal to wrap up the show. But before we go, Doc, will you thank our guests? Special thanks to our guest, Chief Bradley Osgood, Megan LaFollette, and uh, Aileen (laughs) Targ... Just say it again. Aileen Tartaglia. Aileen Tartaglia. And we always want to thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And if you're interested in writing to us or you have a question, email us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We will respond to you in the following week's show. Just so you know, you can follow along on our social media channels as the show airs. We post our thoughts, notes, and pictures so you can have a thoroughly enjoyable experience as you listen to our show. And if you've missed any portion of the show, visit our social media channels and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program.